Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, oh, to the podcast. Talking about some Williamses and their poetry. Which was your favourite Williams? Techrific says William Johnson Corey. I've grown a little jaded about flower metaphors, so I guess I preferred the last poem, poet William Johnson Corey, especially his lament on the Greek philosopher Heraclitus. Um, who I've just learned from a YouTube video that Swim has posted on the correct pronunciation of Heraclitus. Um, William Johnson Corey is by far the most interesting of the Williams, so I pick him, says Swim. Rand is best known for writing Victorian nursery rhymes, and Philpot was a vicar whose poems were published posthumously by his son. Was he the one whose poems kind of sucked? Um... The poems were pretty meh to me. Yeah, they were. However, our third William, he's been called the most brilliant Eton tutor of his day, but he was dismissed from his poet at Eton by encouraging a culture of intimacy, possibly innocent, between teachers and pupils. He then changed his name from Johnson to Corey. It was under the name Corey that he became known as a poet. He was forced to resign from Eton at Easter 1872 after an indiscreet letter that he had written to a pupil was intercepted by the boy's parents and brought to the... Yeah, okay, yuck. In dismissing Johnson, Hornby commented that it was not for committing acts of immorality in the ordinary sense of the world, meaning sodomy in the euphemism of the era. Some have asserted that Johnson was a pedophile. There is no evidence. However, others believe that Hornby turfed out William Johnson because he was a liberal reformer in a highly authoritarian institution, attempting to create a community where power and personality, desire and discipline and love and learning were integrated, he committed the crime of Socrates. He corrupted youth by creating a world of multiple loyalties. I don't know what that means. Create, committed the crime of Socrates. He created, corrupted youth by creating a world of multiple loyalties. I don't know what that refers to. It sounds interesting, though. It sounds like a whole thing that I don't know about. Uh, cool. All right. Well, those are our Williamses. Today we are reading, not a Williams, it is a Coventry Patmore. That's the name, apparently. 1823 to 1896, The Married Lover. Why, having won her, do I woo? Because her spirit's vestal grace provokes me always to pursue, but spirit-like eludes embrace. Because her womanhood is such that as on court days subjects kiss, the Queen's hand yet so near a touch affirms no mean familiarness. Nay, rather marks more fair the height which can with safety so neglect to dread as lower ladies might that grace could meet with disrespect. Thus she with happy favour deed feeds allegiance from a love so high that thence no false conceit proceeds of difference bridged or state put by because although in act and word as lowly as a wife can be her manners when they call me lord remind me tis by courtesy not with her least consent of will, which would my proud affection hurt, but by the noble style that still imputes an unattained desert, because her gay and lofty brows, when all is one which hope can ask, reflect the light of hopeless snows that bright in virgin ether bask, because though free of the outer court I am, this temple keeps its shrine, sacred to heaven, because in short she's not and never can be mine. If I were dead is our next poem. If I were dead... You'd sometimes say, poor child, the dear lips quivered as they spake, 
and tears broke, and from eyes which not to grieve me brightly smiled, poor child, poor child, I seem to hear your laugh, your talk, your song, it's not true that love will do no wrong, poor child, and did you think, when you so cried and smiled, how I in lonely nights should lie awake, and of those words your full avengers make, poor child, poor child, and now unless it be, that sweet amends thrice told are come to thee, O God, have thou no mercy upon me, poor child. Departure It was not like your great and gracious ways, do you that have naught others to lament, never my love repent of how that July afternoon you went with sudden unintelligible phrase and frightened I upon your journey of so many days without a single kiss or a goodbye. I knew indeed that you were parting soon, and so we sate within the sun's ray, low sun's rays, and you whispering to me, for your voice was weak, your harrowing praise, well it as well to hear you such things speak, and I could tell what made your eyes a growing gloom of love as a warm south wind sombers a march grove, and if and it was like your great and gracious ways to turn your talk on daily things, my dear, lifting the luminous pathetic lash to let the laughter flash whilst I drew near, because you spoke so low that I could scarcely hear, but all at once to leave me at the last, more at wonder than the loss aghast, with huddled unintelligible phrase and frightened eye, and go your journey of all days with not one kiss or a goodbye, and the one, the only loveless look to look with which you'd passed, "'Twas all unlike your great and gracious ways. "'The toys is the next one. "'My little son, who looked from thoughtful eyes "'and moved and spoke in quiet grown-up wise, "'having my law the seventh time disobeyed, "'I struck him and dismissed with hard words and unkissed. "'His mother, who was patient being dead, "'then fearing lest the grief should hinder sleep, "'I visited his bed, but found him slumbering deep "'with darkened eyelids and their lashes yet "'from his late sobbing wet and I with a moan. Kissed away his tears, left others of my own, for on a table drawn beside his head he had put within his reach a box of counters and a red-veined stone, a piece of glass abraded by the beach, and six or seven shells, a bottle with bluebells, and two French copper coins ranged there with careful art to comfort his sad heart. So when that night I prayed to God, I wept and said, Oh, when at last we lie with transit breath, not vexing thee in death, and thou rememberest of what toys we made our joys, how weakly understood thy great commanded good, then fatherly not less than I whom thou hast moulded from the clay, thou'lt leave thy wrath and say, I will be sorry for their childishness. Last one is called A Farewell. With all my will, but much against my heart, me, we too now part, my very dear, our solace is the sad road lies so clear, needs no art, with faint averted feet and many a tear. If our opposed paths to persevere, go thou to east, I west. We will not say there's any hope, it is so far away, but oh, my best, when the one darling of our widow head, the nursling, grief, is dead, and no dews blur our eyes to see the peach bloom come in evening skies, perchance, we may, when now this night is day, and even through faith of still averted feet, making full circle of our banishment, amazed meet the bitter journey to the bourne so sweet, seasoning the termless feast of our content with tears of recognition and never dry. Poetry done. 
quick one tonight. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.